Big Finish presents Doctor Who Short Trips Forever Fallen by Joshua Wanisco Read by Nicholas Briggs Sean Calvin seated himself in the command chair of his orbital platform. He swept his gaze over his android legions, the viewscreen displaying an image of the colony world below him, the button that would trigger his weapon against it, and a small switch that would activate a microphone. He picked up his script, flicked the switch, and began recording his manifesto. Inhabitants of Elysium 7, a new age is upon you. He paused it. Flick. Was one of the androids moving? He rose and peered into the darkness. No, he decided. It was just a trick of the light. Flick. A new age of enlightenment, of peace, of prosperity. An age of... Flick. No, there was someone here. A small figure in formation with the androids. His first thought was that it was a mannequin dressed up on a lark. No sane person would wear that jumper with those trousers. Wondering how anyone could have possibly installed it up here, Sean rose for a better look, and the mannequin doffed its hat to him. He stepped back with a start. Even with the hat on its head, the intruder was a full head shorter than any of the androids. He shuffled closer with a rapid step, using the tip of his umbrella to pick a path through their ranks. He tilted his head to regard the console and asked, You're pre-recording your speech? Sean blinked in surprise, but recovered his composure in time to respond. Yes, I intend to leave nothing to chance. If a risk can be identified, I will control for it. The newcomer barely seemed to be listening as he continued his inspection. This must be your first foray into this kind of thing. You're flouting all sorts of traditions. Why, you have a great big laser, and you're not even using it to draw your face on the moon. Sean spent a moment considering that statement, and the small man continued speaking. But it won't work. Sean bristled. Of course it will work. My calculations are flawless. Oh, I'm certain they are. And I am equally certain that your apparatus will operate precisely in accordance with its design. The intruder's magpie eyes sought out the block letters that named the machine. The Leviathan, is it? It really is quite a marvel, as long as one evaluates it solely on its technical merit rather than its intended use. But that isn't what I meant. Rather, the consequences of using it will not be as you expect. The prudent response would be to command the androids to seize the intruder, but Sean felt compelled to reply. A good scientist asks questions, and whatever else he was, Sean Calvin was a good scientist. What do you mean? You intend to control the people of Elysium just as you would any other variable. Free will... That's the factor your Leviathan will isolate and remove. Your intentions are noble. You want to bring peace and order to the colonies. You'll plan their lives down to the tiniest details, and in doing so, you will eradicate crime, hunger, and poverty. 
art and literature and human dignity too, but somehow those elements never enter into these kinds of equations. Sean couldn't meet the intruder's gaze. He looked instead at the red button on the console. Now that the necessary preliminaries had been enacted, the slightest pressure would activate the Leviathan. You disapprove? I find it abhorrent. Monstrous. Obscene. Are you here to stop me? The coordinates were locked into place. Nine oblique one, two oblique four, four. He could reach over and end it here. Sean looked at the button. The intruder looked at Sean and continued speaking. I will have to step in if you do press the button, but I don't think it will come to that. Right now, I'm only here to talk. I suspect that you only intend to control them temporarily, just long enough to fix the mess they've made. I'd imagine someone as smart as you are could sort out society's problems inside of a week. But you can't return their willpower when you're done, can you? They'll just make a mess of it all over again. So one week becomes two weeks, three, a month, a season, a year. Then one day, you'll look up, and it will have been a lifetime. And you're controlling an entire generation of children who have never crawled, never cried, never smiled, save at your command. The people of Elysium will have never known laughter or love, but at least their trains run on time. Sean looked up at the intruder's eyes. Instead of the anger implied by his words, there was a profound melancholy of the sort Sean had never before seen. Don't push that button. It's not too late. Please, just step away. Sean's hand hovered over it. What happens then? You let everyone else live their lives as they see fit, and you get to do the same. The hand wavered. But they'll ruin everything. They'll destroy themselves. I owe it to humanity to do this. The intruder shook his head. I think you're being a little hard on your fellow humans. People generally work out their problems. Picture the world that you will create by pushing that button. Do you see it? Tell me, is that the future you want? You have two options before you, Dr. Calvin. You know what the right choice is. Sean lowered his arm and let it hang at his side. To be entirely honest, I've had some doubts of my own. The intruder clapped in satisfaction. Wonderful! Why don't you think it over and we can meet up to discuss it? Say, a year from now? I know just the place. By the way, I'm the doctor. Year One The tea house was called The Uncertain Tea Principle, a name Sean found intolerably twee. A silver bell jingled when he opened the door, and he saw that the atmosphere was quaint, and the pretty, dark-haired girl with the doctor looked spunky, which confirmed that this encounter was going to be just as tedious as he had expected. He regarded the café and the girl each long enough to make his distaste clear before sitting down at the unoccupied seat. 
The doctor looked up, as if just now noticing him. Dr. Calvin, you made it. Yes, he said. Even in Elysium, I exist. You asked me to meet you here when we met in my space station, and I was given the impression that this was not entirely a request. The doctor looked offended. Of course it was. I wouldn't spend all that time lecturing you about the sanctity of free will and then coerce you into attendance. I don't manipulate people like that. At a glance from the girl, he quickly added, Maybe the odd nudge here and there. But you made it, and I'm glad. This is my friend Ace. Ace? This is Dr. Sean Calvin, an illustrious scientist. A pleasure, Calvin said, not bothering to feign sincerity. Yeah, sure, replied Ace. The doctor poured tea for each of them. What projects are you pursuing these days? Something important, I'll be bound. Sean looked down at his tea and was glad that he had, because the girl sniggered lightly when he answered. I empty rubbish bins for a living. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's difficult to get a job when your work credentials are attached to an identity you no longer hold. Maybe the doctor smiled sympathetically, but Sean didn't see it. He was still looking at his hands. He was infuriated by the thought that the girl probably had cleaner fingernails than he did. He wasn't meant for manual labour. He was better than this. Give it time, Sean. Time wounds all heals and heals all wounds. Try making friends with your colleagues. See what they do for fun. Sean looked up, eating paint chips and counting their remaining teeth, one presumes. The doctor began speaking, but Sean stood up suddenly. I wish I could say it was a pleasure, doctor, but we both know better. I must be going. You'll cover the bill? A dustman's salary doesn't stretch very far. Year two. One year later, Sean entered the cafe and saw the pair at the same table, in the very same outfits. The doctor poured out the tea. I understand congratulations are in order. Yes, Sean answered grudgingly. When I started talking to the other workers, I learned that the sister of a driver worked at Annika Technologies. She arranged an interview, they recognized talent when they saw it, and offered me a position on the spot. But you still don't look very happy. They hired me as a junior scientist. That's one step up from polishing test tubes. Do you know how old I was when I built my android army? Nine. I designed a truly self-aware artificial intelligence before I turned 13. On my 17th birthday, I constructed the orbital platform and teleported it into orbit piece by piece through a transmat I manufactured from scraps. Do you know what they want me to do now? Assist in an incremental improvement to the colony's hydroponics system. They project a 7.3% increase in efficiency over a five-year cycle. It's an insult. Why? Do you think you could get 8%? Sean scowled. I could get double that, but that isn't the point. Does this mean you'll reject the offer? The doctor asked mildly. No, I'll take it, Sean said. I'm one of the greatest intellects ever produced by the human race. 
I'm not about to squander my talent. He stood, his tea untouched. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have some TPS reports to complete. Year three. Ace spoke when she saw Calvin approaching. Here comes Sourpuss. The doctor offered him a teacup. I read about your work on the irrigation project. Too technical for a simpleton like me. But it must have been exceptional. That's seldom the kind of story that makes the news feeds. Sean puffed up. Thank you. Under budget and already exceeding their most optimistic projections. It's just that... Here it comes, muttered Ace. Yes, said the doctor. My supervisor didn't recognize my brilliance. I was up for promotion and she sabotaged it. Do repair robots really need tank treads? The death rays on this medical drone seem superfluous. No vision at all. She's a plodding intellect, bossy, boring and entirely too fussy. It's not fair. The doctor spread his hands. Most things in life aren't, as a wise man once said. You get justice in the next world. Sean grimaced. What do you mean? You're talking about some myth of an afterlife? Oh no. Merilega 9. One star system over. They have a terribly efficient justice system. Telepathic tribunals. Computer judges. Very progressive. Cute. Sean looked at the tea, then at the doctor. You're wasting your money on that tea. I do this because I feel obligated, not because I enjoy your company. Do you really think next time will be any different? Hope springs eternal, said the doctor, and emptied his own cup and raised it to Sean. Year four. The doctor noticed the spring in his step as soon as Sean entered the cafe. You're looking chipper, he observed, pouring out tea. Sean accepted the cup. Thank you. Circumstances have improved. Ace broke into a sudden smile. That's never a wedding ring. Sean raised his hand and smiled. Indeed, almost six months now. Who is the lucky lady? The doctor inquired. Her name is Lisa, my uh, supervisor. Ace hooted with laughter. I thought you said she was too bossy. Commanding, countered Sean. Boring, remembered the doctor. Practical, Sean responded. Altogether too fussy, Ace offered in a perfect imitation of Sean's voice. She's very precise, an admirable quality for a scientist, Sean answered, sipping at his tea. The doctor smiled. I'm very happy for you, Dr. Calvin. You've certainly managed to turn your life around. Sean nodded his head. Yes, and I thank you for the opportunity. The three clinked cups and promised to meet again next year. Year five. Ace greeted Sean with a broad smile when he entered... Welcome back, Dad. Sean smiled as he sat down. Oh, you've heard. I wanted it to be a surprise, but that's right. Odessa Minerva Calvin. Seven weeks old tomorrow. 
Got any pictures? Ace asked, sliding her chair over. Sean laughed. Of course I have pictures. Haven't you ever met a new father? Let me bring them up. He produced a handheld device and did just that. Here she is, right after she was born, sleeping in the stroller. Here she is with Lisa in the rocking chair. Oh, Ace cooed, craning her head for a better look. Look, Professor. Sean smiled, flicked to the next picture, and spoke to the doctor without looking at him. Do you have any family? The doctor shrugged. A granddaughter, possibly, and a giddy aunt, but she was probably metaphorical. Sean continued as if he hadn't heard. Birth out here isn't like it is on the core worlds, where it's quick and clinical and happens precisely on schedule. There were complications, and the doctors made the decision to induce. I wanted to be there in the surgical theatre, so they sent me for protective gear. I was having trouble getting it to fit properly. I suppose I should have been frustrated, but I knew that I had all the time in the world that they would wait for me. Once I stepped out that door, they would start the procedure and I would meet my daughter and my world would change forever. He looked at the photo on the device in his hand and smiled. The last time I felt like that was when we met on the space station. I knew that pushing the button would set into motion something irreversible, something that would define me for as long as I lived. It's funny, I guess, how a single event can become the fulcrum around which your entire life pivots. Sean smiled wistfully. If you hadn't talked me out of that act, she would never have been born. There are so many tiny little things she does, so many little traits that are characteristically Odessa. It's funny. Before I saw her, I couldn't imagine what she would look like. After I saw her, I couldn't imagine her any other way. The doctor smiled. A new context can change your entire world. Sean flicked through some more photos, saying, Genetic forecasting indicates a strong aptitude for logical mathematical analysis. It appears that she's inherited at least a portion of my intelligence. She'll excel at anything she studies, pure mathematics, physics, or even chemistry. The doctor raised an eyebrow. What about the liberal arts? Indispensable to a well-rounded education? Sean looked at the doctor over his glasses. Please, doctor, I'm trying to have a serious conversation. It's possible that her intellect may come to rival mine and I won't see her squander it. I owe it to humanity. She will dedicate her life to the advancement of science. It's not your call! Ace said hotly, causing the rest of the conversations in the cafe to stop. I won't be lectured by a girl who needs a jacket to remember her name, Sean sneered. Oh, I'll do more than lecture, Ace replied, balling up her fists. The doctor rose quickly and placed his hands on Ace's shoulders. Perhaps we can discuss this again, once we've all had time to cool down. Year six. Sean seemed distracted as he entered the uncertainty principal nearly two hours late. Good afternoon, Dr. Calvin. Good morning, Doctor. How's the family? The doctor inquired. Fine, I suppose. Here are some more pictures. He reached inside his coat and placed the handheld on the table. The doctor scrolled through it idly. 
there don't seem to be many with you. I suppose not. If the pictures won't tell the tale, give it to us directly from the horse's mouth, then. How are they doing? Sean looked faintly embarrassed. I'm told they're doing well. I haven't seen them in quite some time. I've been somewhat preoccupied between my research and mapping out an educational plan for Odessa. He leaned forward conspiratorially. I have her next five years planned out. I'm not one to meddle, the doctor began. But as both he and Sean were each in their own little world, neither saw Ace's expression of flabbergasted disbelief. But it seems this is strikingly similar to a conversation we had several years ago. You don't need to control everything. But more than that, don't sacrifice today on the altar of tomorrow. Sean sighed. I suppose that applies for most, Doctor. But I'm a genius. Don't you understand that exceptions must be made for genius? It will be a little rough at first, but it will all work out. You'll see. Year 7 Amidst the quiet hum of the machinery, the doctor picked his way through the androids once again. Hello, Dr. Calvin. We missed you down there. Your tea is cold. His voice echoed in the vast emptiness of the space station. Sean looked up from the command chair. His eyes were red and hollow. He wiped at them with the back of his hand. I needed some time alone. The doctor waited for Sean to continue. He rose from his seat and said, Lisa is gone. She took Odessa with her. I'm sorry, said the doctor. Sean started pacing rapidly back and forth along the length of the console. She called me an emotionally stunted narcissist, forever convinced that he's ten times smarter than anyone else. Well, that wasn't very charitable. And a cold-blooded, misanthropic man-child. I'm sorry, and... I think I get the picture. Sean stopped pacing and looked at the doctor. She's not wrong. I'm selfish. I care more about myself than the people I say I love. My wants, my needs, my legacy. It's always been about me. What hurts most isn't that Lisa left. It's that she was right to leave. He was silent again before admitting. I came up here to use the Leviathan. Clearly you didn't. Sean shook his head. I didn't. I couldn't. Odessa and Lisa are down there, and I couldn't stop imagining them under its effects. I didn't stop because I was good. I stopped because I was too weak to go through with it. The doctor smiled sadly. And yet, so often, it's the weak things of the world that confound the mighty. You made the right choice, Dr. Calvin. I'm not here to quibble about how you got there. Sean was silent for a long while. Are you going to lure me back home with shallow platitudes about responsibility? No. I'm sure you've already figured out anything I could tell you. Sean smiled weakly. I am ten times smarter than anyone else. The doctor answered with a sad smile of his own. Sean collapsed into the seat. Help me, doctor, he said. Please. I will, Sean, if there is a way. 
we will find it. Year 8 When Sean entered, he seemed to have aged more since the last visit than in all previous years combined. He seated himself quickly and looked around the room. Where's Ace? he asked. Running errands, the doctor replied. Don't worry about her. Oh, I wanted to apologize. I'll see that she gets the message. Have you been in touch with your family? the doctor asked. Sean perked up immediately. I don't see her every week, but we correspond. She's writing already. Maybe you weren't so off with your joke about the liberal arts. That wasn't actually a joke, the doctor began, but Sean kept talking. Some days are better than others. I inch towards sunlight with every chance I get. They conversed for another hour, and when they were done, the doctor said, Until next year, Dr. Calvin, I hope you find what you're looking for. Year 9 A sign on the door read, Closed for a private party, but Sean pushed it open. A little girl of about four followed closely behind him. The cafe was still and empty, except for the usual table. Ace blew a party horn when she saw them enter. The girl jerked back at the noise and hugged Sean's leg, but then looked at Ace and laughed out loud. Sean walked to the table, briefly noting that there were four chairs this time. Take a seat, honey, he said to the girl, then questioned, private party, to the doctor as they were getting settled in. I thought it best. I didn't think we'd be able to keep our appointment with the hero of Elysium 7 otherwise. Sean laughed self-consciously. I guess that's me. And this is my daughter, Odessa. Ace hunkered down so she could address Odessa at eye level. Hey there, kid. Your dad's a hero now. What do you think of that? Odessa looked directly at Ace. Her face was still round with baby fat, and her guileless eyes were huge and brown. Her brow furrowed briefly as she considered the question before she laughed merrily and broke into a loving, dimpled smile. She hugged Sean's arm at the elbow and declared with a seriousness only a four-year-old can muster, I am very proud of my daddy. As you should be, said the doctor. His actions saved a large number of people. Ace, would you kindly assist the young Miss Calvin? I'd like to have a few words with her father. Sure, Professor. Come on, Odessa. I'll show you how to make a milkshake. The pair departed for the kitchen, and the doctor addressed Sean. Precocious, isn't she? Very much so. She lives with you now? I share custody with her mother. The courts look very favourably on people who save the world. They would have awarded me sole custody, I'm sure, but that wouldn't have been fair to Lisa. I'm trying to be a good man, Doctor. I know. Sean was silent for a long time. He seemed to be ready to speak at several points, but always caught himself as he was opening his mouth. He finally asked, Do you think I did the right thing? The doctor looked at him. What do you think? I don't know. I tried. 
When the long-range sensors indicated the Acrasia more fleet approaching, I returned to the platform. I waited until it was clear what their intentions were and until diplomacy had failed. When I finally used the Leviathan to compel them to surrender, it was as a last resort. It ended the conflict bloodlessly. Our security forces boarded their ships and took them prisoner with no loss of life. I'm inclined to agree with you. You built the Leviathan as a sword, but employed it as a shield. Then why do I feel uneasy about it? Sean was still formulating an answer when Odessa ran up to him in excitement and presented him with a large metal cup. Daddy, Daddy, did you know the lumpy bits in the milkshake are the ice cream? As a matter of fact, I did know that. Taste it! I made it with Miss Ace! Sean opened his mouth, and she fed him a spoonful. Delicious, he declared, and rubbed his stomach in exaggerated satisfaction. He scooped Odessa up in his arms. We must be off, Doctor, Ace. I'm giving some interviews about my defence of the colony, but first, we've got an appointment to keep on the playground. Year 10 Sean and Odessa returned to the café, which was once again closed. Sean seemed leaner and greyer than before. Odessa bolted past him as soon as he opened the door and threw her arms around Ace in an enormous hug. Miss Ace, will you tell me about the patches on your coat? Ace smiled. Course I will. Come on, let's move over here. I've got a milkshake all ready. Sean took a seat near the doctor. You seem troubled, Dr. Calvin, the doctor said. What's on your mind? Are you familiar with a reporter by the name of Samantha J. Shire? The doctor shook his head. Only by reputation. Sean continued. She wondered how I happened to be in a position to stop an alien invasion with a giant mind control device already assembled and ready for use. It's not an unreasonable question under the circumstances. I suppose not. But I thought I had buried my old life completely. Computer records had been scrubbed, physical evidence hidden in a cloaked satellite several thousand kilometers above. She's already figured out the general story, and she knows where to look for the details. It's not a question of when, but if. She's offered me a chance to make a statement before she goes public. What do you intend to do about it? Sean was looking at Ace and Odessa at the other table, the latter playing with a tiny plush camel. The girl made it drink the milkshake and Ace laughed. I'm still working that out. He warmed his hands on his teacup. I'll admit that I considered using the Leviathan to erase her memory, but I rejected it. That's not who I am anymore. I could fight. My androids are invincible. I could flee. Transmat out with Odessa, find another frontier planet. Start over. He shook his head at every one of these choices, rejecting each in turn. But I'm not going to do any of that. The doctor observed him gently. I thought not. Once upon a time, you mentioned how the birth of your daughter had changed your world. This is going to be another one of those world-shifting decisions. Take your time. Sean nodded. We both know what I need to do. 
I'm just frightened. I'm haunted by the ghost of the man I was. I just need to take one more step to complete the exorcism. He sighed deeply. You'll pop in now and again, won't you, Doctor? To check up on Lisa and Odessa? Of course, Dr. Calvin. Sean stood and walked over to where Odessa was telling Ace, with great vigor and expansive gestures, about her stuffed animal tea party. She turned at his approach, and he squatted down to address her. What's wrong, Daddy? He took a deep breath. Odessa, I'm afraid I have a little bit of bad news. I did a bad thing a long time ago, and now it's time for me to face the consequences. I might be going away for a little while, but it's my choice to do this, and in doing so, I'm acting according to my principles. I'm sticking to what I believe, and I hope you always do too. Odessa watched him wide-eyed. Do you understand? He asked her. I think so. She wrapped her little arms around his neck. Sean stood and held out his hand. Odessa took it in hers. Good, let's get you back to Mummy. Doctor, Ace, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye, Miss Ace, I'll miss you. See you later, Odessa, take care. They departed. Ace watched them go. What's going to happen to him? Disgrace, the doctor answered. A blackened reputation and public condemnation so extreme that it amounts to a de facto exile. What would have happened if we weren't here? Essentially the same thing. You can call them temporal nexuses if you wish. Or fixed points if you like. There are any number of terms one can use to describe them, depending on how technical and pretentious you wish to be, but they're all different ways of describing moments that we dare not attempt to alter. Gordian knots of time resistant to Alexandrian solutions. Regardless of his actions in the present, Dr. Calvin's future remains the same. Primary difference is that in the timeline we averted, it plays out with more robots, and he does wind up drawing his face on the moon after all. Ace looked frustrated. Then why are we here if things are just going to turn out the same way? These events are fixed, but our reactions to them are not. Ace, listen. There are talents in human history who stride like giants. We call them prodigies, but even that's only because we don't have a word for the true scope of their brilliance. They are so far ahead of their peers that we could get in the TARDIS, hop ahead 30 years and find an entirely new generation of scientists still struggling to understand the ramifications of their discoveries. He's that smart, Professor. Oh, he's brilliant, Ace. He's very nearly as smart as he thinks he is. The doctor's expression changed. But I'm not talking about him. His story concluded with his redemption on his space station three years ago. For Dr. Calvin, the intervening time has merely been the denouement. His fate is fixed. But Odessa's is not. For her, these years have been the prologue. Tragedy can embitter us, or it can bestow a profound empathy for the suffering of others. 
Her father is her guiding light, the fulcrum about which her world turns, her talisman against the hemophores. The High Court of Elysium Seven will pass judgment against him in one month. How she reacts to his fate will shape her future. There are two potential Odessas. One perceives the sentence as a grotesque miscarriage of justice. It kindles an anger that burns so bright that it sears everything that makes her human, and she rises from the ashes as a would-be conqueror who embraces her father's authoritarian instincts with none of his good intentions to temper them. But the other Odessa is inspired by a man who accepts the consequences of his actions. She grows up understanding the frailties of the human condition, and that sometimes people do the wrong thing with the very best of intentions. She understands that people are weak. They can be foolish and petty and monstrously cruel, but at their best, they're capable of acts of kindness that will ripple throughout the cosmos. She builds her life around the belief that a single failure, no matter how profound, does not render a person forever fallen, that with conviction we may awaken to our potential and through perseverance we can arise to fulfill it. Most of all, in this future, she grows up determined to use her gifts to light the way so that everyone in the galaxy is given that chance. She goes on to surpass him, and this was the moment when she decided who she was going to be. Tiresome, tuppany, tyrant, or avatar of our better angels. The doctor looked at the door through which Sean and Odessa had departed. Today, she chose the path she would walk and ace. She chose 